Hello, everyone, and welcome to my podcast, A Coach for the Coach. I'm your coach, Helen Williams, and we are building a community of sports coaches who want to proactively take their coaching career to the next level, as well as build the next generation of student-athlete leaders. And as always, uh, excited about our guest today and what we're going to teach you. And it's all about you coaches and finding ways for you to get better um, at things that are uh, really important for your programs in terms of being successful, but really have nothing to do with, um, you know, on the court stuff for the most part. Although today's show is a little bit different. Uh, with that said, uh, our guests today are Coach Daniel LaForce and Coach Eddie Benton. Um, they are part of uh, Bent Force Basketball, and we're going to have a really good discussion today about um, training your athletes um, the right way. Hey, coaches, Hi. how are you? Hi. How you doing? Good to be with I, you. I'm I'm good, man. I get to talk. I get to talk basketball with some some folks that know what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So thank you for being on the show. I think this is going to be a really good show because normally we're talking about things off the court, but um, I know that what you do is is so important uh, in terms of training on the court. And what I want uh, the coaches to get out of this show today is we're going to talk about the right way to, to train a player, um, train an athlete, no matter if they're an itty-bitty or, um, you know, if they're a professional. So the first thing I want to do, though, is have you guys just sort of go through your own basketball background, and then we'll, we'll talk about Bent Force basketball. So, Coach, uh, Coach LaForce, you want to start? Sure. Well, thanks for having us. Uh, we're really excited to be here. We're a fan of your show. And watch it quite quite often. So when you called to invite us, we were super excited to be a part of your movement. So thank you, thank you so much for having us. Um, I've been coaching women's basketball for 23 years. Um, first, I spent 10 years as an assistant coach. Uh, first, year, first couple of years was at Long Island University, um, and then I coached at St. John's. Uh, after that, I got my first opportunity to be a head coach at a Division II institution, the University of New Haven. Spent a year there where we won the championship, the NICAC championship, which was a great experience for me. My first time at being a head coach to win a championship, it really set the tone for how I thought about my athletes and my position as a head coach. Um, right after I coached at New Haven, I went on to be the head coach at Northeastern University. Um, I was there for eight seasons. I was able to take that program from the bottom of the CAA to probably the top echelon of the CAA before I left to move on to the University of Rhode Island, where I spent uh, six, five seasons as a head coach there. Um, so after that, I, you know, pivoted to, you know, something different, um, but, you know, still wanted to remain close to something that I was so passionate about, which is not only teaching the game of basketball, but being a mentor and, and developing relationships with young athletes. Coach Benton? Uh, my path is a little bit different. I started on the men's side. Um, and right after, I, you know, obviously I played at the University of Vermont and straight from the University of Vermont, I played in Israel for a year. Then I played in Venezuela uh, for a year. Then I played in the CBA. And after those three years, I knew I wanted to coach basketball. So I was on the men's staff for five years. My first five years, I was a division three assistant coach at LaRoche College. I was there. And then straight from LaRoche College, after three years, I went to Robert Morris University for two and then after my uh, three years at Robert Morris University, I got a phone call from the athletic director, um, uh, Jim Tinky, back at LaRoche asking me that I want, did I ever think about coaching women's basketball? And 
at the time I, I didn't think about coaching it. And um, what I wanted to do though, uh, selfishly at the beginning, what I wanted to do was get some head coaching experience on my resume. So I took the job and the whole plan was to get the experience that I wanted as a head coach on my resume and then get back over to the men's side. And it's funny because uh, 18 years later, I'm still on the women's side. And from there, I end up going to um, from there. I end up going to uh, St. Francis University, and, I, and at La Roche. Let me say this: at La Roche, I was there for eight seasons. And our last, my last two years there, uh, I was fortunate enough to be uh, coach of the year in the conference. We won two AMCC championships and went to the Division Three national tournament. And uh, and from that point, I, I got the job at St. Francis University. And I, I was at St. Francis for one quick year. Then I got the job at uh, Duquesne University. So I was in the A-10 for, for three years. And um, <clears throat> excuse me. And then after Duquesne, I went on to coach at the University of Cincinnati. And then from Cincinnati, I went on to coach at uh, Brown University. So my path has been a little bit different. Um, coaching has always been a passion of mine. And uh, it's been a great journey. Uh, it's been... 22 years, eight, eight, eight years as a head coach, and uh, it had been 15 years as an assistant, both on the men's and women's side. Can't be in that household unless you're a winner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, well, let's talk about, uh, you know, Coach, what you mentioned earlier about your passion about, you know, giving back. Um, why did you start Bent Force Basketball, and, and where did the name come from? Well, you, you know, when we when I lost my job at the University of Rhode Island, um, I really didn't know what I would I could ever do without being a coach. Um, it was a scary time. You know, it's a scary sure. time where you have to kind of reinvent yourself. And and, you know, I, I thought about doing insurance. I thought about going into the business world. I thought about, you know, a lot of things that I'd never considered while I was coaching basketball. But I just always came back to the game, always came back to that hunger of, of being around student athletes, being around the kids and, and, and having those relationships and, and really teaching the game. You know, I found myself always watching basketball. I did, I did a couple, I did a couple, I worked a couple of months with the um, Connecticut Sun as an advanced scout just to keep my passion alive, just to keep the game close to my heart. Um, and I had no idea what I would be doing next. And, and that's one thing with this. When you're in this game, as long as we have been, you really can't see yourself doing anything other than coaching. And it's very scary when you no longer coach. It's, it's a very, very scary time. So, you know, Eddie brought this this idea to me about training. It was something that he had he previously had done before he started college coaching. He was a, tr a trainer in the Pittsburgh area. And he said it was it was great. You know, he loved it. And, you know, I, I thought to myself, you know, what, this might be something that that I would like to do. Um, so, we, you know, we just got our business plan together and, and figured out figured out a way for us to coach. Um, I mean, teach the game. And, you know, the Bent Force logo that we have is basically our last names. His being Benton and mine, LaForce, collaborated being Bent Force. But I am Mrs. Benton. <laughs> We've been married for a little bit over a year now. Um, and, um, you, you know, it was an idea that really kind of combined my two passions. One is obviously teaching the game of basketball and two, obviously being a mentor 
to the young children and um, getting them to kind of understand the commitment and dedication it takes to become a great athlete. Coach uh, Ben, why, why did you pick Pittsburgh? Uh, Pittsburgh, first of all, that's home for me. I'm born, okay. I'm born and raised in Pittsburgh. And I've been here, uh, you know, all my life. Um, I know my first, man, my first 10 to 12 years of coaching, I was lucky. I was one of the lucky ones because my first 12 to 15 years of coaching were all, I just happened to be hired by schools in Pittsburgh. So I was here for my first 15 years. And as you know, as a Division three coach, you know, the rules aren't as uh, strict as Division One. So as a Division three coach, I was still able to coach AAU. I was still able to do, uh, to train. And when I was the head coach at La Roche College, I was still training. And when I left La Roche, and I had a lot of clients in the area, a lot of clients that wanted to work out, that wanted to get better. And then as soon as I got the job at St. Francis, uh, that had to stop because now I was, I would have been training recruitable athletes. Right. So, uh, so I had to stop and, uh, you know, a good friend of mine that trained as well. I, I just basically passed on all my clients to him. And I, and I, and I think the one thing that did it for me as far as um, not coaching and getting into the training was COVID-19 for me, because at the time, you know, I was coaching at Brown university and uh, our staff got let go as well. And that was right when COVID hit in March, April. And with that, my, 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 I got, I have two children here in Pittsburgh and, you know, we have a blended family, four beautiful children. Uh, my children are 15 and 13. So when I was in Rhode Island and the COVID hit, they spent like three months with us. And I was every morning I would wake up and I would, we would do remote learning with their schools. I would sit down with them for like six hours straight and do that. And it just started to resonate with me that for the first 12 to 14 years of their life, I was me being dad was always on the road coaching. So every time my son would have a big moment, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm watching it on Facebook or my daughter would have a big moment. I'm watching it on Facebook. So being with them three months straight, made me think that what can I do to where, you know, she's a sophomore in high school, he's an eighth grader, where these last five years I can spend with them and not miss a beat and still do what I love to do. So the training, moving back to Pittsburgh and the training was was the answer. Uh, right now I still get an opportunity to teach the game of basketball, which I love to do. And I also get a chance to be a head coach because I'm, I'm also the head coach of the Western PA Bruins AAU organization, the top 2023 team. So I'm getting a chance to do a little bit of both. Coach AAU as a head coach and also train. And that's all I need. And then I'm getting a chance to see my kids every single day. And then our, you know, our family, Martin and Terrence, uh, you know, is in and out as well. I mean, I, I just think it's no better situation for myself. And then also, you know, being with, with Danielle all the time. So it's perfect. Yeah, I think it's interesting that the pandemic has forced a lot of people to pivot, <laughs> you know, uh, like you said, Coach LaForest. And I think one of the things you mentioned this really early, and it's a little bit off topic, but um, when you coach for as long as we have and then you're not coaching, it's like who you don't really know what what to do. I know when I, I got let go, part of the reason that I started 
working with coaches. And one of the main reasons I wanted to do the show was to help coaches understand that you're not going to coach forever. You hope you do. Um, and you hope your decision to get out of coaching is your own, but like the three of us, um, it's not, but that's not the end of the world. Uh, you know, when that happens, you do like us, like us, there are ways for you to stay close to the game where you can continue. And basically the three of us are still coaching, right? You're, yeah. you're coaching kids and I'm coaching coaches. So that title never really leaves us. Anytime I'm around some kids and they say, coach, my head still snaps around because I think they're, right. <laughs> you know, they're, they're talking to me. So we're always coaches. So I think it's great that you guys have, um, you know, found a way to, to, you know, still have you still experience your passion, but, but give back as well. Um, what is, you know, bent force basketball, what's your philosophy in terms of training and what makes you different than everyone else? Cause I don't really think you approach training the, the normal way, if you will. So, so talk to me about that. Well, one of the things that we pride ourselves on is, uh, we tell a lot of families that, you know, we're not just your average trainers that, you know, there's a lot of trainers out there, but we're not just your average trainers. I think between the both of us, we have over 50 years of playing and coaching experience. You think about it. I'm 22 years. She's 23 years. And adding eight to that, that's over 50 years of playing and training. And a lot of and our sale to a lot of our, the families that we work with is that we're not just talking about it. We actually, you know, we played the game at a Division One level. So we know what it takes to be successful as players. And then also with the training piece, you know, We've we were division one recruiters. So we were sitting around the courts, you know, uh, evaluating this talent, these these players, just like some of the top coaches in the country. So we know exactly what you need to be able to do to become, a, uh, you know, a, a recruitable athlete. And I think our biggest philosophy, you know, I say it all the time to our players, our, you, you know, your, your, your preparation must be three times harder than the contest. That's our biggest thing. So, you know, we push them extremely, extremely hard. So now when the game comes, it's easy. You know, I, a lot of people nowadays, they don't train as hard. Then the game comes and they want to flick the switch on. And, you know, there is no switch to flick on. And I try to tell our clients that, you know, if you have a game on Saturday, you win that game Monday through Friday with your preparation. You know, and uh, so that's why we, we try to push our clients as hard as we possibly can. So now, you know, they're outworking their peers. And when the game comes, it's easy because Monday through Friday, they've worked three times harder than what they're about to see in a game. And I think it's been, you know, since June, we've been we've been training a variety of uh, players. And I think uh, it's, it's been really good. And a lot of families, a lot of parents, we get a lot of positive feedback and parents, you know, stating that, you know, their, their child's never been through a workout that hard and they've seen their child's game grow in the last several months just from the preparation that we're putting forward. And, and I think one of the biggest things that we talk about is all, all we ask for is this, be coachable and bring an effort. If, you, if you're coachable, if you can be coachable and you bring an effort and then just let us do the rest, listen to what we tell you, do it as hard as you can. And you're going to see results in your game as far as it getting better. And I think for me, I take it a little bit more personal as, you know, in, in terms of my responsibility to get these athletes to um, embrace training 
embrace practicing, embrace really developing their game. You know, I, like I said, I coached for 23 years and was very successful my first 18 years. Was on championship teams, um, brought teams from the bottom of the conference to the top of the conference. And I just felt like in my last five years of coaching, the athlete that I was re recruiting were just different. They didn't really value working on their game. They didn't understand what it takes to go through a two-hour practice, sometimes three hours, Ellen, and really be intense and in tune and committed to getting their game better. And, you know, in practice, you're not getting a lot of reps. There's 15 other players on the 14 other players on the team, so you're not getting other reps. So unless you develop a love for working on your game in your own time and knowing how to work on your skills on your own time, you're not really going to enjoy getting better in college. And as a result, it puts a lot of pressure on the coach to pull that, to motivate a player to be their best. And I just felt the last five years, I was just, it was like pulling teeth to get these athletes to want to work on their game on their own time. So for me, I don't want that to happen to any other college coach. I don't want them to have to, you know, recruit players that don't value working on their game, that don't know how to work on that game, that don't understand the intangibles of, of being a, a, a good college athlete. And I think we do that. We, we make it, um, we, we make it fun. We teach the game. We don't only tell them how to do things. We tell them why. Why, when you're coming off this ball screen, do you have to kind of read your defense? Why this footwork? Why, you know, there's so many things that we're teaching as we're training that I don't think a lot of people do that. We're not just rebounders. We're college coaches teaching the game to young players so when they get to college, they can help their head coach be successful. And I would assume because of your collegiate background that you're probably going to have a lot of coaches coming to you uh, asking you about the players that you train. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it's funny because it's twofold for me because uh, not only with the training, but also coaching the AAU program. Uh, so, so I'm still talking to several coaches every single day, as far as our players, as far as our clients. And uh, I think that, I think one of the biggest things is in today's society, a lot of the players now, it's just, especially the way AAU set up, it's just play, 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 play. And then now I'm getting a lot of these clients and their footwork's not right. Mm -hmm. Their mechanics on their shots, not right. And uh, so they're now I use the left hand on the left side, right? So like little things, so oh, now, that drives me nuts. Teach the game, and um, you know, I, I tell a lot of these parents that you know, we got to make sure you know their footwork is correct, uh, before we do anything, we got to make sure the mechanics on their shot is consistent. And I think most importantly, uh, one thing that we we pride ourselves on is you got to be able to perform when you're dead tired. So a lot of the stuff that we do and think about it, when you play in a game, everybody on that floor is at a certain point, everybody's dead tired. Mm -hmm. But what separates you is who can still perform mm -hmm. when they're dead tired when their heart rate is racing, who can still have the same mechanics on their shot, the same footwork. And the only way you can do that in the game is if your preparation is much harder than that game. Mm -hmm. And that's what we try to do. Uh, with our clients. We try to continue to push them, to push them, to push them. And not only are we teaching them the game, but their high, their IQ is increasing, you know, week in and week out. And it's also the intangibles of the game. Like we, you know, 
you know, coach brought up being coachable and effort. Those are things as Helen, as a head coach, you know, you know, you demanded of your girls every single day in practice. So we do the same thing. We make sure they're communicating with each other. We make sure that they have the proper fundamentals when they play. We make sure they're hustling from spot to spot. There's no walking in our training sessions. So we treat our training sessions just as if it was a college practice and we're co coaching college athletes because those are the intangibles that are not only going to help them become successful players, but also have them, allow them to have great successful college careers. Yeah, I think it's interesting now that the uh, trend is going back to what it was when we were athletes. Like we we went to camp. All you did was work on, you know, yeah. fundamentals and footwork, and and you were lucky if you got in maybe one, maybe two games a day. Right. And now it's you go to these tournaments, and all these kids are just all they do is they're playing four or five games a day, you know. And mm -hmm. and I do think too. And I want your opinion on this. I do think that because they don't train the right way, when they get to the college coaches, their bodies break down because they're not used to training correctly all of their muscles. And 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 I I said asked this question to you guys. Obviously, you're training basketball players, but what do you think about you know uh, athletes playing different sports and not just specializing so early? Uh, you know. My biggest thing is it's funny you ask that question because my two children, uh, my daughter runs track. My, my son and my daughter runs track. My, my daughter also, uh, you know, track and basketball. My son plays, runs track, plays football and basketball. But this is just my opinion. But it gets to a point. There's nothing wrong with playing multiple sports, but it gets to a certain point. And I'm a firm believer in if you want to maximize your potential on a particular sport, or if you want to be great at a particular sport, you got to eat and sleep the game. And what I mean by that is you have to do it day in and day out, you know, so you can be good at multiple sports, but if you don't, I think, narrow that down eventually and concentrate on one, you'll never be great at one particular sport, you know? So I just think playing multiple sports helps the next sport, but eventually you get to a point where once you're dialed in on a sport that you're going to focus on, I think you, you have to you have to really focus your attention on that particular sport because you can be good. But in our business, you want to be great. And in order to be great, I think you have to really spend the time on that particular sport. That, that, that's how I feel about the game. No, I think you make a good point. Um, at some point you have to decide. And, and I always, you know, parents would always ask me, well, when should we, I, I, and I always say, listen, by the 10th or 11th grade, you, you pretty much know, you know, what you're, what you're good at. And, and that's where you should spend, you know, the majority of your time. It, it, it's good to play other sports, not just to help develop other muscles, but also to give you an understanding of, of when you're not the best player on the team, right? And you don't have the best skills. Like that in itself is something really important to learn for when you get to college because you're not always going to be the best player. Um, so I think you bring up a good point. And again, it goes back to the the old school now being the new school is just being committed, yeah. right? being committed and, and, and getting in the gym when nobody's watching, when you don't have to be there, coming early, staying late, those types of things. Thanks for listening to A Coach for the Coach today with special guests Daniel LaForce and Eddie Benton of Bent Force Basketball. As it stands, it looks like we need to bring them back next week 
for part two to further discuss how to properly train an athlete. If you want more nuggets, head over to my Facebook group, A Coach for the Coach, where we share helpful tips to take your coaching career to the next level. See you next week. Same time, same place. Bye.